Good morning, church. Or should I say, good, great morning. Wow. Isn't it awesome to see three baptisms this morning? What a blessing. My name is Jeff Rookshire, and I'm the pastoral care pastor here at, at Crossroads. And we're in the middle of a series called Go Big. The B stands for begin with prayer. The I stands for invest in people. And the G stands for good news, or really it should be sharing the good news, but go bis didn't sound right. <laughs> when I was thinking about the G, uh, the good news, um, I was reminded of when I was in college eons ago at Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. And every spring, there was a guy by the name of Brother Max who would come to Purdue. He would set up shop on the um, uh, green space, in one of the largest green spaces, that was surrounded by classroom buildings that had sidewalks that crisscrossed the green space, which meant that there was a lot of traffic going through there, a lot of students. He would set up shop there, and he could draw a crowd, and I was one of them. Now, I was not a Christ follower at the time, um, and I was not there to hear the gospel. I was there to watch the show, because boy, could he put on a show. He had a megaphone, and he would shout into it, he would rant and he would rave and he would slap his hand against his thigh and he would stomp his feet and he would call his names like fornicators and drunkards and coveters and the like. One time, there was a young student woman that was walking across the green space. She wasn't coming to the, the show. She wasn't um, uh, even looking our way. But Brother Max... Uh, caught her out of the side of his eye. So he turns to her with his megaphone and he starts yelling out at her and calling her names like Temptress and Jezebel because she was wearing a miniskirt. He obviously didn't appreciate her fashion choice. I did. <laughs> but uh, he's not so much. Well, I call it a show because it wasn't just a one-man show. There were students who would come and they would yell back at him and, and uh, some of them used obscenities and you would see this, this back and forth and some of them who I believe were Christ followers tried to explain to him in, in so many words that he was sharing news but it wasn't the good news that God loves us and that he sent his son to die for us so that we could be saved from hell and saved for heaven. Well, when they mentioned God's love, he blew up because he was all about hell and hellfire and damnation. Sitting there on that green space, I made a choice. If I ever became a Christ follower, I was never going to participate in evangelism. If I became a Christ follower, I was never going to share my faith. If I became a Christ follower, I was never going to be a witness. I was not going to heed the command of Jesus found in Matthew 28. That Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of you have heard. Now, if you've been to church for a while, you've been a Christ follower for a while, you have heard this scripture hundreds of times. In fact, I'm guessing that you started to tune it out when I started reading it because you've heard it so often. Jesus telling us that we are called to be witnesses. Jesus telling us that we are called to participate in evangelism. Jesus calling us to make disciples. We've heard it a hundred times, and yet there's something that keeps us from doing it. There are what I think are barriers that keep us from actually doing what Jesus calls us to do. So today, I want to talk about some of those barriers. And the first barrier is, I am afraid. I'm afraid. What if I share my faith with that other person and they get angry with me? What if I share my faith and they come up with an argument that I can't respond to? What if I share my faith and they ask a question that I can't answer? What if I share my faith and they stop talking to me? What if I share my faith and they lose, and I lose a relationship, a friendship? Fear, pure, unadulterated fear. Now, honestly, I can't tell you that this will never happen. If you read the book of the Acts of the Apostles in the Bible, you will see that the early Christ followers were persecuted for sharing their faith. They were kicked out of the synagogues. They were kicked out of towns. They were beaten. They were jailed, uh, beheaded. They were um, stoned to death and many other things. And if you read Christian history, you see that Christ followers, especially during the period when the Roman emperor Nero uh, was in power, that Christians were sawn in two, they were burned at the stake, they were ripped apart by lions in front of cheering crowds, all because they shared their faith. Tradition tells us that 10 out of the 12 disciples died because they shared their faith. Now, usually people ask, well, who are the other two? <laughs> right? Well, it was Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus. He committed suicide. And the other was John, who is said to have lived a long life. Um, but it wasn't easy for him by any stretch of the imagine. He spent time exiled on a 13 square mile. 10 out of the 12 died because they shared their faith. Sharing your faith will sometimes lead to persecution, and that's what scares us. Listen to what John says. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. John says, there is no fear in love, that perfect love casts out fear. Who has perfect love? Not you, not me. God does. God is the one who has perfect love. And when we became Christ followers, God's love was on full display. God changed us from no longer being condemned to hell, but to being citizens of heaven. God freed us from the punishment on the last day in the end times. God freed us from sin and death. God's perfect love was on full display. So who should be afraid if not us? Well, those who haven't made Christ their Savior and Lord yet. Because you never know, right? I mean, they're in a dangerous place. You never know. Uh, not everybody lives to a ripe old age. Not everybody knows they're going to die the minute before they die. It's a dangerous place. But I would submit to you that it's not just them that should be afraid. You and I should have some fear as well. The fear that someday we'll be spending time in heaven and our loved ones won't. That should scare the fear right out of us because staying silent is not an act of love. If you are fearful of rejection and you let that rule you and instead you seek to always be accepted, that is not love at all. Our love though it may be imperfect, should drive out our fear of sharing with others the gospel of Jesus Christ. But listen to this next barrier. I have to force it. I have to force it. The first person that I had the opportunity to pray with to cross the line of faith was a guy by the name of Mike. Mike literally came up to me and and uh, said, Jeff, will you please pray with me to accept Jesus Christ? I was thrilled. So we found um, a quiet place, and I got a front row seat of seeing him change from being a citizen of hell to being a citizen of heaven. It was awesome, and it was so easy. It is not always that easy, right? It is not. It is very rare for situations like that to happen. So our fear is, is that we will get into a place where it will be so difficult. And I say to you, please don't force it. I, I have seen way too many people, Christ followers, who had good intentions, who forced Jesus into the once who forced the full gospel, dropped the full gospel on them all at once when it didn't fit the conversation or the relationship, get into trouble. I say don't force it because what 
I trust or who I trust is God. God is the main player in evangelism, not me. God is the main player. It is God's responsibility to save. I can't save anyone. I'm supposed to speak the word, but I can't save anyone. God is the one who has the power to save. I don't have the power to save. I'm supposed to speak, but I don't have the power to change anyone's life. Only God has the power to save. It's not by my words that people are saved. I'm supposed to speak them, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit speaking words of life into the person's soul and spirit and mind that changes hearts. God is the major player, not me. I'm supposed to speak, but still God is the major player. Remember, Jesus said, if we are his witnesses, surely he will be with us always to the end of the age. Several years ago, I heard somebody say, why is it that Jesus only promises women named Surely that he will be with them to the end of the age? (laughs) Corny, right? But what if, what if we put our name into that promise? I will be with you always to the end of the age. And Elizabeth, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And Vince, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And Wanda, I will be with you always to the end of the age. What if we put our names in that promise, in the promise that Jesus always keeps? It would change our lives. It would change our perspective on sharing our witness with others because when you're sharing your witness with others, it feels all alone. You feel all alone. But Jesus is there. Jesus said, I am not going to abandon you. I am not going to forsake you. I am right there with you till the end of the age. I love this, um, this passage from Paul, who is in my uh, Hall of Fame of Witnesses. He may be the goat of witnesses. He says in Colossians, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Who is opening the door? Not me, not you. God is opening the door. What he says is, is for us to do this. Pray that God will open a door for the message. Watch for it. And then when it comes, walk right through it and be thankful. Pray for the open door. Now, some of you have been praying for the open door for a long time with some of the people in your life. And the door seems shut and locked and barred. You know what I do? for the people in my life that that's the case. I pray for people I don't know. I pray for Christ followers that I don't know that God will open a door for them to speak words of life into my neighbors and coworkers and friends, family. 
that God will open that door. So watch for the door to open. Pray for it, and then walk right through when it opens. Another barrier to being a witness is when we say, I'm not perfect, so I can't witness. I'm not perfect. And you're right. (laughs) You're not. Sometimes our imperfections can get in the way of us sharing our witness. Listen to what Paul says again. He says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now, when he says outsiders there, he means people who have not yet trusted in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. To be wise in the way that we interact with them. And we need to be wise because they're watching. They most likely know that we are Christ followers and they are watching. They're watching to see if we're living lives of integrity. They're watching to see if we are gentle and kind and loving and non-judgmental. They're looking to see if there's any difference between being a Christ follower and not being a Christ follower. They're listening to our words. Is there obscenities coming out of our mouths? Is there inappropriate humor? They're listening to hear if we speak up when things are wrong. They're listening and watching. So we have to be wise because our ungodly lives can get in the way of our witness. Nobody is going to come up to you and ask you for the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus if you're living an ungodly life. And if you do share, they're not going to believe what you have to say. But listen to this other side of the coin. Nobody's going to come up to you and ask you for the reason or the hope that you have if you act like you're perfect all the time. (laughs) Right? Nobody, everybody else can see the imperfections of people who think they're perfect all the time, right? Except for that person. Nobody's going to come up and ask us for the reason for the hope we have if we act like we're perfect. What they're looking for is integrity and authenticity. They're looking to see when we do mess up and we will mess up. If we, will, if we will fess up to it, if we will admit to it instead of blaming somebody else or something else, whether we will own up to it and then ask for forgiveness if forgiveness is needed to be asked and then live in that forgiveness. Doing those three things right there will set you apart for most people admitting it, asking for forgiveness, and living in that forgiveness. So nobody's perfect. Crossroads theme, our slogan is no perfect people allowed. There's nobody perfect. But we do the best we can with our imperfect lives to live a witness, always seeking to live godly lives in Jesus. Now for the last barrier I'm going to address today, and that is I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. This is a fear that many have when 
they think about sharing their faith because they're saying, I don't know what to say. And what if somebody asked me? I don't know what they would say except for, let's call Pastor Rod. <laughs> no, but no offense to him. Most people don't want to talk to Pastor Rod. They want to hear it from you, from their friend, their coworker, from, from their um, neighbor. They want to hear it from you. So we have to be prepared. First Peter, and Peter is also in my Hall of Fame of Witnesses, says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Peter says, we need to be prepared. Just like you get prepared for an exam by studying, just like you get prepared for guests coming over for dinner by cleaning the house and getting the food ready, just like when you get prepared in your man cave for Georgia destroying South Carolina, be prepared. Be prepared. Now you say, how do I get prepared? Well, here's two things. First of all, be ready to share your story. Think through how you would share your story. How did you come to trust Jesus? And how has it made a difference since trusting Jesus? Think through that. Be prepared. Think through how you would do that. Now, please, please keep it in a nutshell. Do not make it a long story. Yeah, I was born at a very early age. and Don't start there. <laughs> Keep it in a nutshell, and if doors open later on, then you can, you can share more details, but, but keep it brief. And it doesn't have to be dramatic. You know, there are some people who have some dramatic testimonies of how they were deep in the depths, and they've trusted Christ, and now Christ has completely changed their lives. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It just has to be real and authentic. It just has to be your story. That's, that's what they want to hear. So think through what your story is and how you would share it. And then secondly, the other way to know how to share the gospel is to come to church on Sunday morning. Every time Pastor Rod preaches, he shares the gospel. Every single time. Usually at the end of the message, he shares the gospel in a nutshell. Instead of tuning him out because it doesn't apply to us, there goes Pastor Rod again. Study what he has to say. Study how he says it. Study it. Because he has the gift of evangelism. That's one of his spiritual gifts. Study what he has to say and put it in your own words. And then when he prays at the end, he prays to help people cross the line of faith. Now, I want you to do one of three things during that time. One, pray for those in the room that the door would be open to them that are not yet believers, or two, pray for those in your life who are not, because every single time 
he prays it a little differently of how to help people cross the line of faith. Come and study and you will learn how to share the gospel with others. For some of you here today who are not Christ followers, you have heard Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. You have heard Jesus calling you into a close relationship with him. Jesus tells us how to do it. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Ask, seek, knock. First of all, ask for forgiveness. Ask Jesus to be your forgiver. Ask him to forgive you for the sins you've committed against God, the sins that you've committed against others, the sins you've committed against yourself. Ask him to be your forgiver. Then secondly, seek. Seek life in all of its fullness and know that that life is found in the leader, Jesus Christ. I believe that most of us here, if not all of us, are seeking for life in all of its fullness. And some of us, if not all of us, have sought it in the wrong places. Jesus is the only one who can lead us in life in all of its fullness on this side of death and on the other side of death in heaven. Then knock. Knock on the door of heaven. Knock on the door of heaven. Asking Jesus to take away the fear that you have of not knowing where you're going to go and you die and instead give you the assurance of living forever in heaven. Ask, seek, and knock. If you're ready to do that this morning, I invite you to pray with me. Let us pray. Pray this prayer or something like it. Jesus, I'm asking. I'm asking for forgiveness. Please forgive me for the sins that I've committed against you and other be my forgiver, my savior. Jesus, I'm seeking. I've been seeking life in all of its fullness in all the wrong places. But I know you can lead me there. So please be my leader, my Lord. And I promise I will follow you for the rest of my life. Jesus, I'm knocking. I'm knocking on the door of heaven. I pray that you will give me the assurance that heaven is my destiny, that I am no longer a citizen of hell, but now a citizen.
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Christ followers, my guess is that during this message, during this time, there were names of your family members, friends, co-workers, and neighbors that came to mind. What I'd like for you to do is in faith, use your holy imagination. Imagine, imagine them someday being in there like what we saw this morning. Imagine them publicly professing that they believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Imagine, imagine them walking gingerly down those steps so they don't fall. (laughs) Imagine them sitting down in this lukewarm water. Imagine them being asked, do you believe in Jesus as your Savior and Lord? And them saying enthusiastically, yes, I do. Imagine them then pinching their nose and being lowered down into the water, symbolizing being dead to sin, and then being raised up, symbolizing being raised to new life in Jesus Christ. And then imagine the congregation clapping and shouting in praise that God has saved them from hell and saved them for heaven. By faith, use your imagination for them today. And I invite you to come. There are tables and post-it notes and Sharpies up front here. Come and write their first name and then hang it on the wall. Now, one thing about this we learned in the first service, our walls are slick. So make sure it sticks good. But come and hang it around the baptistry or around the wall uh, that's on the other side of the baptistry come and hang their names and then the leadership will pray over them. Come in Jesus' name.